Hello, this is Les Goldberg, and welcome to The Road Ahead. The Road Ahead podcast is dedicated to the future of the live events business, bringing together industry experts. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Road Ahead podcast. Today, we have three amazing guests. I have Barry Kesey, who is the Director of Technical Production for Opus. I have Stephen Dahlem, who is the Senior Creative Director for Corporate Magic. And I have Kevin McCabe from LMG, who is the Executive Director of Technology. Guys, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Good to be here. Today, we are going to talk about what we've learned about virtual events and having done them for the last few months, and uh, having pivoted from doing live events to virtual events. And um, I kind of want to get best practices and share them with the audience. So I'm going to throw this right to Stephen Dahlem, and I'm going to ask you, from the last three months of doing virtual events, and we've done a lot of them together, uh, what can you share that you've learned uh, that would, you would say are best practices? Well, it sure has been a whirlwind of production, uh, for sure. I think one of the biggest lessons would be not lowering your expectations. You know, don't fall into the trap of just trying to recreate that familiar flow of like the standard convention center general session. Um, you know, you have the opportunity to create something that's super cool. Uh, the world is your oyster, so you should take that opportunity and lean into it. And I think that's one of the biggest lessons is uh, just be creative, lean into it. Don't think of it as a limitation. Got it. There are no limitations in doing virtual events. So now I want to hear Barry's thoughts on this. Um, in the last three months, doing these virtual events, and, and whether it's the creative or the technical side, what could you add to this uh, discussion? Uh, yeah, I, I would agree with kind of, you know, Stephen's take on that about being uh, creative and kind of throwing out traditional convention from live events. Um, a big, a big part of our approach is really trying to look at the foundation of why you do something, you know, why you do a keynote, why you have an expo, why you have a breakout, and, and go down to those roots and try to build from it based on what you can do in an online environment. Um, I think that's been the biggest lesson of how we um, develop a strategy around our virtual events. Got it. All right. Well, I'm going to throw it to Kevin. And, and Kevin lives a little more on the technical, technical side. Could you share with us in the last three months, maybe just a couple of best practices of what you can share and what we've learned? Well, I'll, I'll uh, tag on first to what both uh, uh, Barry and Steven said is, you know, that when you're in a traditional live setting, you know, um, there's an energy or a synergy around with the production team backstage. And in the virtual world, you kind of lose that and it becomes hard sometimes for the, the team to actually speak up or be aware of if there's challenges. So allowing for people to be able to, uh, to speak up is one thing. And then it does require additional sets of eyes, which is one thing we've learned to kind of be there, to be that voice, to say, hey, we're seeing some issues or challenges. The other thing is, is the internet quality really, really matters. Uh, you can have the best presenter kit that you have put together with the most expensive hardware and send it to someone's house. But if their internet is uh, challenging, then your uh, you know, the product is going to be poor. So there are times when we have to look at a bond, bonded cellular service, you know, in those situations. But the internet, the quality of it is everything. So virtual events without the internet just don't work. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> So, Stephen, what would you try to do to avoid uh, doing in a virtual event that you've learned? Maybe something that doesn't work or something that, you know, you've tried and, and the experience wasn't what your expectation was. 
Well, I think one of the things is getting presentations, people to understand that because of this different medium, the presentations cannot be their normal shape. You can't have a 45-minute keynote speech in this kind of environment. You, you, can't, uh, you, you can't overestimate your audience's ability to remain in front of their computers for that long. So I think that is one of the big things is making sure that it's like episodic television, that you're creating these engaging events and in, in these environments that are relatable when you're online, not trying, again, back to what I was saying earlier, not just trying to recreate that familiar. You've got to really rethink how much time you spend and really uh, make it each moment valuable. So, so trying to make sure that because this is a broadcast and, and you don't want it to linger too long, so whatever is being communicated, you want to make sure that is, has value and is engaging and, and that it's time well spent. Would that suffice? Yeah, absolutely. This is going to be time well spent. Got it. Okay, so Barry, on virtual events, what would you avoid doing? What are the practices that we learn maybe that just don't work in your opinion? And, and that, you know, since this COVID world started and we all went, well, no more ballrooms, we're just going to go home and get on our, our broadcasting, uh, via, whether it's a studio or whether it's a computer at home. What, what, what can you share? Yeah, I, I think that, you know, not only making the session length a bit shorter, uh, but the overall event a bit shorter. Um, so you want to you want to avoid putting too many sessions. If you had a live event that you know had two or three hundred sessions over the course of four days, you really have to kind of pare that down. Um, you know, obviously, I'm coming at it from a production approach, and we look at it through the lens of creating these videos and the presentations to put on the virtual event site. The reality is, there's a lot more strategy around that that lives outside of our production world. Uh, things like gamification, networking, and connection. Um, you know, the registration component. Uh, the matchmaking and the one-to-one because there's not really any or organic networking or meeting. Um, so there, there's a lot of elements that need to be kind of crammed into that and not just the production side of it. So I, I definitely would, you know, like Stephen said, avoid making the sessions too long, but also avoid making too many sessions. Um, I think if you, if you create the channels that give people um, a lot of variety to choose from, um, that's certainly helpful because they can go at their own pace. But I would avoid putting too much into it because there's a lot of other experiences that uh, people look for in that virtual event. Got it. So, so Kevin, what, what have we learned uh, what not to do, <laughs> even from a technical perspective or, or the weakest links? Uh, weakest links, technical perspective, uh, hardwired uh, as much as possible for everything. Um, no more wireless? No more wireless. Um, you know, things that we can control at that point. Uh, people, you know, prefer to use their wireless earbuds. They prefer to be on Wi-Fi at home. Uh, you know, things that we kind of would normally do in our normal life. But for a broadcast, we want to be wired as much and connected as much as possible. And we want the ability to, again, with remote presenters, to be able to uh, have control of their laptop and be able to kind of troubleshoot and walk them through things. Uh, losing that ability or giving different setups to different presenters becomes challenging to manage. You know, on that remote presenter thing, and I'll throw this to Stephen. Stephen, how do you guys go about coaching people that are at home that have had to put this little kit together? And, uh, and how do you get them to present some type of material that has value and it, it puts them in a good light when they may not be as technical? 
Well, we've always been in the speech coaching business, but you're right. In the technical aspect of it, we have sessions before we actually capturing it, where we're teaching them how to put it all together. Uh, applications like OpenReel, where we can be there and actually control the camera that they're using remotely and uh, the teleprompter and everything all together at once. So that's kind of our approach to remote capture if we have to do it. Got it. And, and, and Barry, uh, as far as coaching the remote presenters, have you had any good or bad experiences that you could share? Uh, oh, yeah, a lot. <laughs> a, little, a lot of both. But, um, you know, like uh, what Kevin was saying earlier, you know, not only is the wired Internet a must and the bandwidth a must, um, but you, you have to be cognizant of what's going on in your household. Um, you know, obviously with people being um, home with their families and kids home from school, people streaming on the Internet, choking up the bandwidth. Um, it's, it's a household issue. It's a regional issue. Um, so there's been uh, kind of ups and downs in terms of the quality of video we're getting based on their home Internet. Um, so that, that has been a challenge. Um, and we're also seeing that a lot of people kind of come into this with the expectation of, oh, well, I know how to use Zoom or I know how to use GoToMeeting or WebEx. And of course, as we all know, if you're on the vMix or the WebRTC trying to do this protocol, it's a little bit of a different experience. So um, we're trying to be really diligent on training the presenters up front, uh, giving them some reading material and finding good guidance to coach them. And that guidance is an evolution because <laughs> you're always finding a new experience with somebody of, oh, I didn't think of that. And so you're trying to incorporate that into how you're coaching these presenters. So, so Stephen, have your events improved over the last few months as you guys have kind of honed in on, 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 on this process and, and are the clients adapting to this new world of uh, virtual? Yeah, I think uh, as far as improving over the past few weeks, I think our workflow process has gotten a lot better. I think we've been able to anticipate the hurdles you know, in advance of our clients, you know, getting their content ready and their the self-capture segments ready. Uh, we've, I think we've gotten a lot better in that aspect with as far as workflow goes. Um, and as far as clients adapting to the new world, what's always been surprising to me is how clients are now coming to the table, you know, already beat down, you know, because of all of the Zoom meetings and the WebExes and the Teams and all of that, and the fact that a lot of the internal uh, stakeholders in these meetings for the client, they've been through a thousand demo presentations from a zillion different platforms, and their, their expectations of what's available is uh, really like like I said, they come to they come to the process really, really, really beat down. So I think that getting them to realize that you know their event goals don't have to change. I think it's been one of the biggest challenges in getting in adapting to this virtual space with the clients. That I would think uh, if they feel like they can achieve the same goal, that would make a huge difference. Uh, versus having to change their program or 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 have think there's some subset of limitations. So, I I, I want to know Barry if you could share with me how important is it to have a live component versus a lot of pre-canned material 
that you're playing back or, or playing within the segment. So do you think every virtual event needs to have a live component or do you think that it, it can all be pre-recorded? What are your thoughts? I, um, I think when we first started going into this, the, the technical in me really started um, gravitating towards that pre-record, uh, really just because when we're pulling content from people's homes and they're broadcasting, that internet component, that ISP was a wild card. So it really, it really kind of affected the way we think about that. But as we've been going through this process, I, I think that we feel that there is a value to the live component. Even though you're not in front of an audience, there is an energy um, that, that comes with being live. And I think there are certain things that make sense to be live, especially if they're engaging, uh, like back and forth, Q&A, workshops, things like that. Um, so it, it's really just kind of a case-by-case -case basis with each event where you try to go through all the content and really define what can be pre-recorded and what has a value to being live. So I think it certainly is a balance. I agree with you for sure. Uh, sometimes when there's a live element, it gets everybody to, to at least show up at a certain time to watch it if it's something engaging. So I'm going to throw this to Kevin, and I, I kind of want to know, in the past three months, what have we had to do to deal with hardening our networks, and what, what, what best practices can you share of what we have done to make sure that uh, the, the zeros and the ones get broadcasted out properly? A lot of work uh, behind the scenes uh, on the robustness of our infrastructure. You know, we're at an enterprise level uh, now, and uh, we have separate network bandwidth that is separate from our company network uh, specific for these uh, virtual uh, studios. Uh, we have redundant power now, backup generators. So if we have a failover, if we lose power to our building, uh, we do not lose uh, anything. Um, we now have pretty much, you know, enterprise level technicians that are monitoring things live in person for every hour that there's actual virtual event taking place. So we've added a lot to our infrastructure and our people to be able to manage this uh, and to ensure that there's no uh, uh, interruptions to our service here in, in our facility. You, you know, producers put together these events and they may spend a month or two and a lot of people in the pre-production and working on the videos and the content and to have a technical failure and which is the would be the worst case scenario. So, so as a, a technical provider, it's our responsibility to do everything to mitigate that type of risk. Let's shift gears and I'm going to throw it to Stephen. So what is the most important thing that you would share with a producer, someone producing a virtual event to get a good outcome? What would be the, the, the best advice you could share? You know, for a producer, there's so much more on their plate now with a virtual event than it was in a conventional uh, convention center uh, event. You know, you would have the destination services do all the registration and the hotels and the travel and everything. Well, now all of that uh, invitation and registration, sign-on, custom engagement module kind of pieces that's all on now the producer's plate. And so to pay attention to those details, to make sure that not only is it engaging and crazy cool, but it's also a seamless user experience from beginning to end. And I think that that is what I would tell the producer to focus on is don't, don't drop those details with all of those new things on your plate. Got it. And, and Barry, would you opine on the same question? What is the most important thing that you would share with one of your producers to get a good or great outcome for a virtual event? I think trying to uh, define an 
and understand the avenue in which you're getting content to the site. You know, if you're if you've got a hundred plus presenters, how are you filming that? Are you filming it in their home? Are you sending them a kit? Are they using their own hardware? Uh, do they come into a broadcast studio? Are you sending out a remote camera crew to their home or their office? Uh, defining that really kind of helps you to zero in on what those costs are. Obviously, streaming someone in from their home without sending them any equipment and just sending them a browser link is a lot more cost efficient than building out a broadcast studio and having a stream of presenters come through. So I think that that's probably the best advice I can give to producers out there is really try to understand how you're going to capture that content, what methodology, because that is really going to frame your budget. Got it. Okay. And so I want to throw this question to, to Kevin, and this will kind of be my like sum up question. Um, will virtual events improve as we get more comfortable with technology? And, and, and you can take this from a technical perspective, and then I'll ask both Stephen and Barry the same question from a, you know, a holistic uh, approach. So w- will they uh, improve as people get more comfortable with technology? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we're constantly looking at for different solutions or ways to kind of refine that experience. Uh, so there's always developments uh, with current offerings and new things that are coming. Uh, and I think people are kind of adapting to that kind of mindset of doing things virtually. So uh, with the technology, the more and more experience you have with it, uh, it's like playing a video game, the more uh, comfortable you get with it. Uh, but we're starting to see now that the industry is shifting their focus from uh, uh, raw equipment to now these virtual kind of solutions with NDI technology uh, and different cloud studio based uh, offerings. A lot of the manufacturers are going that way. So I think that it's going to get a lot better as the year continues to move on. So, Stephen, could you opine, will virtual events get better as we get more comfortable with the technology, whether it's the producers, the presenters, um, anyone involved? It could even be the audience. What are your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, just like Kevin was saying, we are always looking for those new crayons to paint with. That's why we appreciate you all uh, bringing those to us. And you know, the technology is only there to serve the why of the event. You know, uh, my boss legend in the industry, Jim Kirk, you know, it's always message, message, message. So how we can use those new technologies to deliver those stories in new engaging ways in the virtual space is what we're all about. Interesting. Barry, your thoughts on that question. Will virtual events improve as we, meaning the uh, presenters, the producers, the audience, everyone gets more comfortable with the technology? Uh, Yes, I certainly hope so. I think that, you know, a lot of us that have been, you know, in this industry for a while, you know, have that background of, um, you know, a little bit of the broadcast. We've been, you know, webcasting events from live events for years. Um, and we, I think we all kind of came into this thinking, well, it's going to be a similar thing, but obviously it's, it's a lot more than that. Um, I, I think that we'll certainly see an improvement in our strategies, our approaches to getting that content, getting it out to the people. Um, where I'm really focusing in on seeing an improvement in virtual events is virtual event platforms. Um, you know, we, uh, we know that the CDNs out there are capable of delivering to, you know, hundreds of thousands of people with no problem. Um, the, the real crux is that there's not a lot of a virtual event sites that have a lot of engagement, gamification, polling, chat, all of that type of interaction with hundreds of thousands of people. So that's where I'm kind of got my eye on to see the improvement and I'm hopeful that they will. 
Well, guys, the one thing I hear from this conversation is uh, virtual events are not really going anywhere. They are evolving, and uh, we're all learning to uh, adapt and create uh, better ones every day. And as we continue to move on, it'll be interesting to see what the next few months bring as uh, virtual events, I think, are here to stay. As Even when live events come back, I think we're going to still have virtual events, and we're going to have to do a little more um, broadcasting and and gamification and have fun with these technologies. Um, I want to thank all three of my guests today, um, Barry Kesey, uh, Stephen Dollum, and Kevin McCabe. You all are true professionals. I look forward to working on more virtual events and hopefully back to live events one day. Thank you all again for joining us. And this is Les Goldberg and The Road Ahead.